We probably all have an idea in our heads about what it means to wrestle with God. Wrestling with God comes in various forms. It might be emotional or psychological wrestling. We feel alone, we feel abandoned, we feel confused, we feel angry or betrayed. And these emotions get all tangled up between us and God. Our anger may be aimed directly at God because God did not come through in the way we hoped or expected. God did not fix the injustice, did not heal the brokenness, did not pull off a miracle, or maybe just didn't intervene when things were out of sorts. So our hurt and disappointment takes on the form of anger and we find ourselves wrestling emotionally with God. Or our wrestling might be intellectual wrestling. We might be struggling with finding a theology that is coherent, that makes sense, that works for us intellectually. So we think harder, read more, debate more. We interact with other thinkers and wrestlers. It's a wrestling of the intellect, trying to come to peace with thinking about God in a way that works for us. Or our wrestling might be deeply spiritual. St. John of the Cross, almost 500 years ago, wrote about the dark night of the soul. That's a phrase that's often used to describe what's like when God seems to go silent or absent or to abandon us. Or when the spiritual core of our being seems more like a black hole, a vacuum, utter emptiness. It describes the spiritual state of the poet of many of our psalms. And it's likely what Jesus experienced on the cross when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think it would be fair to characterize Jacob's nighttime wrestling match in any one or all three of those ways. As Jacob was about to meet his estranged brother Esau, his relationship with God was probably also on the ropes. But I want to suggest there's something else going on that was way more profound and had much greater import than Jacob trying to work out his fraught relationship with God and his brother. But before I jump into what that was, what I think it was, I have to say something about the narrative lectionary. Every year we are given a selection of stories and readings from the Hebrew scriptures to work through in the fall in narrative order, from Genesis through the Torah, the Judges, the Kings, the Writings, and the Prophets. Not everything, just a sampling. And we get a different set of readings each year. So over a four-year period, we do cover a lot of the Old Testament. But we aren't given any directions on how to read these stories, how to tie them together, or what overarching theme to give them. It's always up to us 
to read, to look at the readings and see what sticks out for us and discern what might be a useful way to frame them. And this year, when I did that, I noticed something in nearly all these stories. Let me get my clicker here. I noticed how much God notices. I saw a God who sees. Hence the graphic image that we're using this fall, a deep space photo of the Eye of God Nebula, or Helix Nebula. And God's seeing is not just a casual seeing, it's a deep looking. When God created the universe and crowned creation with beings made in God's image, soon afterward, these human beings rebelled against God's call and started going their own way. And from that time on, nearly all that happens in Hebrew scriptures is God looking deeply with a longing gaze, with love and affection, and noticing what is happening with creation, and especially with the humans that God made. And God sees, God notices, and God acts, all in love. There's this indisputable thread, I think, throughout the scriptures telling a story of the love of God for creation and the strong pull that God has toward human beings. God longs to be in a mutually loving relationship with us, to restore what has been broken, to recreate shalom, to have deep communion. I noticed how in most of these stories, God was seeing something and then acting on what God saw, always moving toward God's beloved ones in response to their needs and in response to their dilemmas and in hope of reconciliation. In Genesis 2, I'm reviewing things we've already looked at in this series so far. In Genesis 2, God saw that the human was alone and gave them a partner. In Genesis 18, last Sunday, God saw that Sarah and Abram were barren and gave them a child. Later in this series, we'll hear stories about how God saw the, mystery, the misery of the enslaved Hebrews and delivered them. God found the people wandering and floundering in the wilderness and gave them ten words and a law that grounded them. God saw the dysfunction of Saul's, King Saul's dynasty and put David on the throne as Israel's shepherd and many more. God saw our theme for the next couple of months. So today, God saw Jacob in the dark of the night. God saw Jacob wrestling with his own demons Demons of deception, of manipulation, of estrangement from his twin brother, God saw and went toward Jacob. Which brings us to the deeper way of reading the story. This is not just a human being 
trying to work out their own tangled relationship with God and with a brother. This is God fighting for connection and communion with the human beings that God made in his own image. This is not a one-sided wrestling match, which is the way we usually think about wrestling with God. We usually think that, that this is something completely internal with us, that we wrestle with our thoughts and our feelings and our intents toward God, while God is the passive party, just waiting for us to get things worked out within us. But no, that's definitely not the struggle we have described for us in Genesis 32. This wrestling match is definitely two-sided. The writer even makes that point clear when it says, in the New International Reader's Version, a man wrestled with him until morning. The man saw that he couldn't win, so he touched the inside of Jacob's hip, and Jacob's hip was twisted or put out of joint. Now, to be clear, we aren't told the identity of the man. Was it actually a man? A dream? An angel? Was it God? We don't know, but what we are told is how Jacob saw the situation. Jacob was the only one who could have told the story. And in the story, the man tells Jacob, you have wrestled with God and with people, and you have won. And Jacob says in response, I saw God face to face and I'm still alive. So this story is framed by Jacob as a wrestling match between a human and God. And it was a draw, a tie. Actually, the, the God figure admitted defeat. You have won, he said. So what do we make of this struggle with God? Which one of the two wrestlers had more at stake, had more invested in this fight? Jacob's life and safety was at risk. He was about to face down his wealthy and heavily armed brother Esau, whom he had offended deeply. Jacob's purpose in life was on the line because God had told him earlier of God's plan to bless many people through him. But what did God have at stake? God's wrestling, God was wrestling to connect with the beings created in God's own image. God was striving for communion with God's own beloved children. God was wrestling for a love connection with the human race. Wrestling for love. God had taken a great risk. God created human beings that were deeply intertwined with God's self and then gave them free will. The freedom to reject it all. 
But that was the cost of love. The wrestling match had God's whole project on the line. Because Jacob's life path was moving quickly toward disconnection. And God saw. So God approached in the night to fight for the connection that God longed for. God challenged Jacob and Jacob prevailed. In a way. In another way, God won. God reconnected with Jacob. God gave Jacob a blessing. And God gave Jacob a permanent mark, a twisted hip joint, a reminder for life that God's future and Jacob's future were deeply intertwined with each other. So God's end was achieved. The communion with human beings was reestablished. And Jacob's end was achieved. This struggle gave him the strength to encounter his brother Esau and be reconciled. I think there's good news in this story for us too. We may find ourselves wrestling with God often and for prolonged periods of time. This story reminds us that the struggle is not one-sided. God is wrestling for connection with us too. God has to wrestle because of love. Without love, God would just manipulate us and force the connection. But instead, God wrestles. God struggles to connect because of love and for love. And maybe you will find that encouraging in your own dark nights of the soul when you are wrestling internally. Imagine God in the ring facing off with you, longing to put you in a wrestling hold of love that you will not find a way to break free of. And that wrestling hold, which at first you might struggle against, you eventually lean into and accept. And that hold is transformed into embrace. Imagine a God who chooses to wrestle us for love. And now let's join together in words of confession. Loving God, we confess we often fail to appreciate your persistent pursuit of an intimate relationship with us, your beloved creation. Forgive us our self-centeredness. Wrestling God, help us lean into your hold of love. Help us strengthen our own grip. 
Keep holding on to us as we strive to hold on to you. God forgives us and loves us and leaves us with a blessing. We are marked for life. <laughs>